we begin a four-part series this month called Dare to Live Now. Everything in the Scripture says today, today, today. Everything that's an illusion says tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. But look it up. Tomorrow is not a day of the week. The only day I've got is right now, today. So God's always challenging us to seize the moment while you have the power to choose. So, as we look at part one, Dare to Live Now, we're going to look today at the power of perseverance. The power of perseverance. I guess a good synonym would, you see, I went to school. Synonym, I made good grades in English, although sometimes you wouldn't know it. Uh, a good synonym is endurance. Endurance. You know, when people train for athletic events, prize fighting, they have, to, they have to put their body right to the point of breaking so that when they actually get in a counted fight, then when they get in one that counts, they have the stamina to hold up for 12 rounds or 26 miles. Because if you went out, even though you're in good health, perhaps, and, and reasonably good shape, you wouldn't have the endurance to do 26 miles. I don't believe most of us could finish 26 miles unless we had a car. But you could build yourself up to it. And so part of our, part of our journey with Jesus is that going to heaven part's the easy part. But living on earth is the hard part, and we have to overcome adversity all the time. And you've got to have some stamina and strength in order to do it. So we're going to talk about that power of not quitting, you know, endurance, perseverance. A little boy named Joy had a habit of having a drink of water before he went to bed. However, this night it was too late, and his father said, Joy, you go on to bed. It's too late. You're not getting any water. And the kid cried out as his daddy left the room, Daddy, can I have a drink of water? No, son, you've had enough today. Now go to sleep. As the father walked down the stairs, little Joy cried out again, Dad, can I have a drink of water? The dad said, Joy, I've told you twice. You're not getting a drink of water, and if you call me up there again, you're going to get a spanking. And Joy said, Dad, when you come up to spank me, can I have a drink of water? <laughs> perseverance, perseverance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not your neighbor, not the, not the preacher, not, not your, uh, some friend or associate or some other Christian, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross scorning its shame, and set down at the right hand of God the Father. These principles can change your life. They can change the way you think about life. They can, you know, start you on a journey to a great and productive life. Endurance, perseverance. Success is a journey that's a lifelong adventure. It is not a destination. Everybody wants to succeed, but so few seem to attain it. So the question is reasonably asked, why? And I hope you'll get in a host home. If you haven't registered, as you leave today in either one of the lobbies, you can find the listed home, host homes and zip code and get in one. There's a short video. There's some discussion. You'll meet some new people. You'll talk about these principles, how it has affected you, where it failed you. It'll help challenge and, and encourage other people. I hope for four weeks you'll get into one of those groups, and as a whole family, we can enjoy the journey of daring to live now. 
Jesus' life demonstrated hardcore persistence. Unfortunately, we in America live in an age of instant gratification. We want it now, and we want it like we want it now. We're Burger King Christians. Have it your way. Unfortunately, the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. You know, it's like a sign on a store that said, antiques manufactured while you wait. That's the American way. We want it quick. We want the newest iPhone or iPad or smartphone, and we want the fastest download, the quickest. Uh, I don't, I'm not a techie guy, but all of them, it's all high-speed internet connection. We want it faster and quicker. We just don't even know what the word wait means, right? It's, it's quite amazing because we've got instant news on social media uh, uh, cameras from around the world in a second. It used to take two weeks to find out what was going on in World War II in America. You, could, you didn't know. There wasn't instant anything, right? Except maybe mashed potatoes or something, instant. But, but it's so funny how it does affect you. Don't, don't pretend culture doesn't affect us. When God makes a promise, we think, yeah, by five o'clock. Well, yeah, five o'clock in maybe the next 10 years uh, or something like that. And so we're really not groomed in our family, home, church, or school to go the distance. We want everything quick and fast. If I can't pump enough iron and build enough muscle, I'll inject enough chemicals and steroid growth hormones so I can beat it, so I can do it. And of course, there are repercussions to beating it like cancer and all kinds of problems, but people still do it. Quick fix, quick fix, and usually a quick fall too. So understand there comes a time in every single life in this room when quit looks good. Anybody ever faced anything where you wanted to just say, I quit? Don't be liars. Let's just all confess. We thought about it. Sure you thought about it. It's all right to think about it. Just don't do it. And so there comes a time when it looks good in a marriage, when it looks good in a job, when problems seem insurmountable when giants seem undefeatable in your life, when mountains seem unmovable, when defeat seems uh, unescapable, and retreat seems my only logical option. I want all of us to remember this incredible quality of life called persistence. It's always too soon to quit. Remember that a big shot, just a little shot that keeps on shooting. That's it. And sometimes that's the difference in winning and losing. Persistence enjoys the distance between the promise of God and the provision of God. You know, some 10 years ago, I taught a series on from promise to provision, and after God gives you a promise, He brings you to a problem. Oh, yeah, isn't that sweet? And how you respond to that problem determines how quickly you get into the provision. When Israel got to a problem, they retreated and spent 40 years on the backside of a wilderness when they could have gotten into their provision in 11 days. And so you've got to have this ability to persevere because nothing's going to be easy. Perseverance is enjoying the journey from promise to provision. During World War II, one of the great orators of our generation was invited to speak at his former prep school, a very distinguished school for boys. So the great Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, rose to his feet, stood behind the lectern, looked at those boys like a lion looking at lunch, and he shouted, never give up, never give up. Never, never, never. And he sat down. And during the Nazis' attack and blitz on London 
and during the war when it seemed like England would fall, they couldn't get enough provisions, the U-boats were sinking, our supplies that we were trying to get to them so fast, it looked like they might not win. Winston Churchill saved a nation. He was the spokesman that gave backbone to the English people when everybody else was passive and compliant and wanted to retreat and wanted to yield. Oh, Winston, he might have been a scotch-drinking alcoholic. Uh, he had all kind of issues and problems. And I remember Lady Chatterley, or what was her name? She was one of the ruling parliamentarians. She used to accuse him of, you're, you're just a drunk, Winston. And uh, he said, Tomorrow I'll be sober, but you'll still be ugly. <laughs> he, was, he was quite an interesting guy. And I think a lot of us don't understand in our try to be perfect police, we don't understand that God uses some strange people because they carry something that is needed at that hour that people don't have. So he was courageous, he was intuitive, he was wise, he, he, he brought confidence to people. He, I'm sure he must have had moments of doubt himself, but he never showed fear to his people or to his nation. And you men ought to do the same thing for your family, for your wives and children. Don't you ever show fear. You know, you come hang out with us and talk, we, we'll talk about, whoa, we can, we can say that together. But when it comes to your family or your business associates or the people you lead, you don't show fear. No, you, because it's toxic like cancer. And so he said, don't give up. And with a three-word speech, he sat down, and it's been quoted now for a hundred years. The quality of persistence is demonstrated in Moses' return to Egypt after 40 years in exile in order to set the nation of Israel free from captivity. Moses, the murderer. Moses, the fugitive. Moses, whose picture, whose wanted picture, was in every post office in Egypt. But God called him to try again and go back to his point of failure. Persistence is going to your place of failure and trying again. Persistence is Noah working on one project for 120 years. And all humanity laughing at him. That generation had never seen rain or large bodies of water. But Noah's persistence in building an ark put his wife and children on that boat with animals and a clear blue sky and a balmy 78 degrees. And that persistence saved his family and ultimately saved humanity and the world. Persistence was the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar saying, we will not bend, we will not bow, and we will not burn, when he made a decree that they had to bow down to his 90-foot golden idol. Persistence is a passion in your soul that will carry you through ridicule, rejection, and reversal. Persistence does not need public approval. It doesn't need a slap on the back. Persistence could care less about being politically correct. Persistence will always declare in faith, mountains, get out of my way. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. All we do is describe it. Right? That's interesting. Persistence says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Persistence declares, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Though a host should encamp against me, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. So he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Notice, who for the joy set in front of him, that was vision of the redemption of humanity, he was willing to endure the cross. You and I who are believers in Jesus are in this room today and watching by live stream or listening on podcast because of the persistence of Christ Jesus and the victory He won at the cross. And there were plenty of times He could have backed out. In the last ditch effort in the garden, He said, Father, if there's any other way to redeem humanity, let this cup pass from me. I love hearing it meaning there was a want to inside of him not to have to face crucifixion and separation from the Father and death itself. But he said, nevertheless, to heck with the devil. Whatever is your will, your will will be my will. I'll do it. And boy, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times in your marriage, your life, your health, your finance, your relationship, your dream, when you feel the same way. And it's okay to sometimes feel discouraged or disappointed, but if you dwell there, you'll die. You cannot. You have to let it be momentary, and then you have to gird up your loins and get back in the fight. You've got to do it. If you can't persist, your quality of life is going to fail. We live in a nation of quitters. We start marriages. We start workout routines. We start diets. We start working on a company or a dream or our finance. And as soon as hard times hit, people jump, bail, and run. And they do it from church. They, as soon as they get a marriage problem, they're out of church. As soon as they have a financial setback or maybe they had some addiction, they fell off the wagon or something went wrong, now they're afraid to meet people and they'd, they'd run away from God. The worst dumb thing you can do when you're facing the worst time of your life or the worst sin in your life is run away from God. Run to Him. He's a God of mercy, a God of grace, and a God who restores. He's your only hope, dude. What are you running the other way for? I wonder how many Christians ought to be sitting here who are A-W-O-L, absent without leave. They deserted their post. Why? Oh, they had some trouble. Well, join the club. I'd love to meet somebody in here that's breathing, that doesn't have something that's troublesome in your life, that hasn't gone through something that's hard and tough. Persistence. You know, how many of you guys have WD-40 in your garage? Raise your, would you look at that? Did you know, put that picture up there, WD-40 is in four out of five garages or homes in America. Over one million of those cans are sold every single week. And it started in 1953 in San Diego in a small lab with three people. It, it was used in our Atlas missile program. They wanted to design a, a rust prohibitive and a water displacement solvent. So WD stands for water displacement, and 40 is how many times it took to finally get it to work. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And it went on to service GIs by the cans in Vietnam so they could protect their weapons from moisture and rust and corrosion. It was used with Hurricane Carla so people could get their cars back running after the floods and mechanical things. Uh, it, 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 they, then they put it in an aerosol can. Then they would sell 45 cans a week out of the trunk of their car to hardware stores and sporting goods stores. 
And then it went on and on and on, and then it went to a public stock. The stock went up 61%. This is over a 25-year period with three people, an Atlas missile, 45 cans a week to a million a week, to the best seller to this day with imitation brands, that's still the number one seller in the world. If you Google WD-40, you look at an amazing perseverance by a founder and a company that's still reigning number one to this day, but it wasn't easy. But I've used that stuff for years, and I never knew what WD or the 40 meant. Did you? Water displacement 40 dumb times to make it work, and thank God He did. It is quite a—it'll take bubble gum off your shoe. It'll take glue sticker off your window when you have to replace the inspection sticker. Everybody listening? I'm selling it, baby. I'm, I wish I had stock in the company. Persistent people take action. On one of the Pope's visits to New York, he was late for a speaking engagement. The Pope-mobile had broken down. So he took action. He took initiative. He stopped a New York cabbie and told the driver, you've got to hurry. I'm late. The guy drove. He said, can't you hurry up, man? The driver said, I can't afford another ticket. So the Pope, being persistent, said, look, stop the cab. You get in the back seat. I'll drive. So they swapped places. The Pope went speeding through New York. A traffic cop pulled him over. When he looked in the window of the cab and he saw who was driving, he was in shock. He went back to the police car, radioed headquarters and said, sir, I've got somebody real important here. Headquarters said, who is it? The officer said, I don't know, but the Pope is driving him around. (laughs) Persistent people are not controlled by circumstances or by other people. A man was invited to a church home group meeting where they were discussing man's relationship to God. And the man said, well, I'm married. I learned a long time ago my opinion doesn't really matter. And so one of the friends says, well, man, when you die, where are you going to go, heaven or hell? And the man said, well, I'll go where my wife tells me. And, And I thought, some people are so controlled by what other people think they would have to ask permission to commit suicide. You must not be that person. Nothing great's ever been accomplished without persistence. Every person in the Bible, man or woman, who did anything great for God was a person of perseverance. Perseverance is bold. It's daring. It's fearless. Sometimes a little reckless, but it gets the job done. Persistence does not hesitate. It doesn't look back at yesterday's mistake. Persistence can't be manipulated by the lie that I've got to have everybody's permission to succeed. It doesn't look at yesterday's failure and say, well, I guess that's going to affect my performance today. Persistence refuses to play the blame game by saying, my unhappiness is my parents' fault, my wife's fault, my husband's fault, my children's fault, the president's fault. It's anybody's fault but mine. Persistence is Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem when a powerful group of religious leaders organized a slander campaign to stop him. And when slander didn't stop him, they ridiculed him. When ridicule didn't work, they finally said, if you don't stop building these walls, we're going to kill you. And that would have stopped most Christians right there. But Nehemiah passed out bricks and swords to the people. They were going to build those walls, and when necessary, they would stop and battle. And that's going to be life, building and battling. And that's going to be your life till you die. They were going to build that wall come hell or high water. Jesus taught persistence. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back 
is not worthy of the kingdom. So stop looking back at past failure and telling yourself you can't be all that you should be today because you can. The, every promise in the Bible says, press on, endure, stand fast, fight back, win. He that endures to the end shall be delivered. For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Apostle Paul taught it, persistence. After being beaten three times by Roman scourging, after being shipwrecked three times, after being stoned and left for dead, he got up and walked back into the same town and finished his sermon. That's persistence. And then old Paul said, none of these things move me. Paul says, we are more than conquerors through Christ. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth can separate me from the love of God that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! I love it. I love it. Paul said, I've walked through the fire, but the fire didn't burn me. I've walked through the water, but the water didn't drown me. I've been bitten by a deadly viper on the island of Malta, but I shook it off into the fire. I will not be defeated by the power of darkness. He was hurt. He was delayed. He was attacked, but you couldn't stop him. He says, these light afflictions, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? These light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the glory God has prepared for me and all those that love his appearing. Now, you compare that to the average church member who says, somebody took my parking place. Somebody's in my seat. You didn't speak to me Sunday. I want to say, oh, get a life. Grow up, for goodness sake. You know, that's okay if you're a brand new, immature baby believer. But if you've been a Christian 10 years, you need to get out of the diaper department and put on the whole armor of God. Give me a break. You're a soldier in the army of the living God. Act like it. Well, so-and-so offended me. Well, get ready to live in the human race. Jesus says, great peace have they which love my word. Nothing shall offend them. And if you're easily offendable, you'll be in 10 churches. You'll be in several marriages, and you'll be in several different jobs because you can't live without getting offended. I have to do multiple services and a lot of words every single week. You try it and not say something sometime, somewhere that somebody gets ticked off. Maybe you didn't pick the right word. Maybe, maybe it was abrasive in some way. And people who have enjoyed several years will leave a church. And I thought, well, I'm glad I ain't married to you. You must be a joy to sleep with if you that easily offended. You'll throw in the towel in a career, a dream, a relationship, a church, because somebody or something offended you. If you're easily offended, you're, you're finished. You are finished. You won't make it in life. And so Jesus says, don't let an offense get you. You get through that. You shake it off. You've been married a long time. Anybody ever been offended by your mate? Ever? Well, you're going to go to the divorce court because somebody offended you? Or some business partner or associate offended you? Or somebody in the staff in a church offended you? Or Rick said something one day sometime? You can slip up to me and say, I didn't appreciate that word you used. That's cool. But you wouldn't pull out of a great family where God put you and you know it and you've been there for years because something came out of my mouth. I've apologized many times. Yeah, I'm going to say to you, you get up and talk this much, this often, and not say something wrong, and you're going to be like Jesus, all right? You'll glow in the dark. It's not easy. 
and we got every kind of race and culture and political group in this room, that is a tough job. Give me a little grace. You know, you can put your arm around me and say, hey, baby, I, don't be a little cool, calm down. That might have been a good choice of a word to use, and you may be right, and I'll agree. But I'm not going to break up a family over it, and especially if I'm teachable, and especially if I said, well, I didn't mean to offend you. It maybe didn't come out quite right. Good Lord. I mean, just listen to this stuff going on politically. I mean, stuff ain't coming out right everywhere. You know, it's like, I don't know. So, listen to Paul on perseverance. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. What in the heck is going on? That's, I don't understand. But we're not in despair. We've been persecuted, but not forgotten. We've been knocked down, but not knocked out. So, can you see it? Hell has hit you with its best shot, but you're still breathing. You're still on your feet. You're still standing. You won't bend. You won't bow. And you won't burn. Thank God. On Paul's last night on earth, from a prison cell, he wrote, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. I've got a crown laid up for me. And not me only, but to all those in Summit, in America, and in the world who love His appearing and will endure. The Bible says you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you might inherit the promise. So it's not quick. Well, I did what God said. Right. Now what? Stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Well, I've been standing a long time. Stand some more. See, we just don't want to hear that. We want a quick fix. You've been in debt 20 years, so some permed hair prima donna uh, uh, guy's going to come dancing through, fly in, and say, if you'll give $1,000 tonight, God's going to cancel all your debt in 30, 30 days. Dirty liar. Took you 20 years to get in that debt. And you ain't going to get out in a day unless you win the lottery or somebody walks up and pays off your bill. But we can teach you how to sow your way out of that debt with good stewardship, honoring the Lord with your giving, how to spend less than you make. I mean, you can, God will deliver you. But it's not going to be in 30 days because you, God told me there were 1,200 people that would give $1,000. I hope I can at least keep you from getting manipulated or exploited or taken to the coins. And you know why those people are so easy suckers? Because they want a quick fix. Well, I'm having marriage trouble, so I'm going to go to the seminar, and I want you to lay hands on me, and the anointing of God knocks you down to the floor. You're out for 30 minutes, and when you get up with a little lint on the back of your coat or suit or shirt, when you get home, I promise, I promise, the, by the name of the Lord Jesus, your wife will still hate your guts. I promise. I promise. You're, you're, I mean, people are dumb as a rock. You didn't get that hate and rejection out of her by being a good boy for 20 years. You earned it, baby. So it's going to take some endurance and a whole lot of change to woo her back, if that's possible, to get her back. And if you're not willing to endure and go the distance, forget it. Hang it up. Quit. It's not going to work. Does this make any sense? I mean, this is just good old common talk over a cup of coffee. This shouldn't be deep theology. This is a Bible principle. So question, have you been knocked down? I've got a word from God get up. Get back up. Have you been knocked down by a divorce, the betrayal of a friend, the death of someone you love dearly, fighting a deadly disease, 
by a financial crisis, maybe a business reversal, maybe a tragedy that struck you out of the blue, the message from heaven to all of us at any time, get back up, get back up. Falling down is not failure, but staying down is. Get back up. God's not finished with you. You're still breathing. Your purpose still stands. So fight back. You're a child of God. The royal blood of Christ flows in your veins. You're not going to be a victim. You're going to be more than a conqueror because God has given us victory. Why could, how can you be an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome? Coming to church doesn't make you an overcomer. You've got to fight the good fight. Here's a good thought, a good takeaway this morning. I promise you will never outgrow warfare. Never. You've got to learn how to fight. I hear people say all the time, when is it going to get easier? And I love to say, when you die. Yeah. Warfare is a normal New Testament Christian posture. Get used to it. You will never outgrow warfare. You've got to learn to fight and persevere. If that were not true, then take Ephesians 6 out of your Bible and tear it up because it is a promise. Put on the whole armor of God. Resist the enemy. What in the world do I need armor and weapons for if I'm not in a battle? And I need it every day. You're going to be assaulted mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you got to be a combat veteran in here. I'm afraid we in America have developed a bunch of pacifist kind of Christians that want it easy, want it quick, and think that pain and suffering must be sin. You know what the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for my Pentecostal friends, and I'm a charismatic, spirit-filled guy? Trouble. Trouble. It always brings trouble. Now, some of you thought, well, I thought it's just tongues. How about some trouble? Anybody filled with the Holy Spirit moving and doing what God says is going to have trouble. You know, we live in a culture of hate. It, it's, you can't say anything, whether it's on social media or any, just utter debauched hate. You know, you ought to be able to disagree without hating. Uh, I could hold a different opinion than you on some, something in the Bible, but I don't hate you. Hope you don't hate me. I want to know truth. But you don't have to agree. I don't agree with my wife on everything. We've been married 42 years. Really? I mean, how stupid is this? Don't let people lead you down a road of hate. And I don't care what your political party is. All of them have it. And I'm not looking for any leader politically to redeem me. They're fallen, fragile people just like you. They're sinners just like you and me. And no political leader is going to bring us redemption, Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Only Jesus can bring us. And I vote. I'm a registered voter, but I'm not looking for, I think, I don't think Jesus would ever, I think I tweeted today, what wouldn't Jesus do? I said he wouldn't put all of his heart, hope, and faith and a political official anywhere because they'll let you down because they're fallen. They're broken. Jesus won't let you down. He's perfect. He's for you. And only he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So my hope ultimately is in him. Winston Churchill said, the nose of a bulldog is sloped back so he can bite and breathe without turning loose. I love that. I pray God will give this church bulldog believers so anointed with the Holy Spirit that when your eyes open every morning, hell will say, oh my God, he's awake. She's awake. Remember, it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight 
in the dog. If you get whipped, and sometimes we do, go home, lick your wounds, and come out the next day and fight to win again. Every person who's a champion has had a loss, but not an ultimate defeat. The Bible says nothing is impossible to him who believes. The God's Word says, if God be for me, who can be against me? The Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we don't quit, if we endure. Giving up is not an option for the child of God. Former President Calvin Coolidge, and this has been quoted uh, as far back as I can remember, the 60s. This is attributed to former President Calvin Coolidge. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent won't. Nothing is more common in the world than unsuccessful men and women loaded with talent. Education won't. The world is filled with educated derelicts. Perseverance and determination alone will win the day. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. So my question this morning is persistence. Do you have it? Without it, your dreams are just an illusion. If all your life is only a series of big beginnings, you'll never achieve your destiny. You've got to finish. It doesn't count until you cross the finish line. The goal in a 26-mile marathon is not to win, it's to finish. And this race of life, you don't have to be the first one across the race of life with God, but you got to finish. There's no reward for quitting. Sorry, you got to finish. And I want you to finish strong, finish good, finish in the will of God. And if it weren't possible, God would tell me it's not possible, but I can do all things that I'm called to do through Him and by His power. So I can do it. Persistence is seen in Jacob wrestling with the angel of God until daybreak. It shows the power of persistence in producing spiritual success. While wrestling with the angel of the Lord, Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And they wrestled all night. And just as the sun was beginning to rise, the angel touched Jacob in the thigh because he wouldn't let go. And he walked with a limp the rest of his life because of this encounter with God. But God changed his name right there from Jacob, the cheat, the schemer, the supplanter, to Israel, prince with God. Why? Not because of his race or his hemoglobin or his skin color or his political identification, because of his unstoppable persistence. And the difference between a prince with God and a common drifter, persistence. Come on, folks. God's not looking for flash and dash. He's looking for persistence. Words every believer in every church ought to hear. Duty, discipline, and determination to finish. Does that describe you? If you're always starting and never finishing, you will never be successful. Persistence is the proof of passion. Struggle is the proof you have not yet been conquered. You've been assaulted by somebody. You're still biting, screaming, and kicking. You're in the struggle. You haven't quit. And to all the women in here, police, I just went through a training session with Rick Poe. Jim Williams was in that class with me. Better safety, gun handling, laws, principles, rules, just good stuff. And it said that they've changed their view. They used to say, when a woman is assaulted, she should submit. 
so she wouldn't get killed. But after interviewing all the serial rapists and killers, they discovered that once they start the attack, they won't be stopped no matter what. So the rule now has changed from the police advisories to saying you fight, you scream, you bite, you kick with everything you've got till you get free or somebody helps or you die. That's, boy, I got a big response on that one, didn't I? I mean, you fight, you fight. I don't care if it's stage four cancer until that you flatline, you fight, you fight. You, it ain't over till it's over. Don't you dare think about even quitting. Persistence is the proof of passion. Athletes train longer and harder because they have a passion to win, and they know they've got to out-endure the guy next to them. They just hope I've trained enough and I'm in great enough stamina and shape to last longer than him. Master musicians practice endlessly because they have a passion for perfection. Great salesmen and great saleswomen are never phased by the word no. No to them means not yet. They've got a passion to make that sale. Passion produces fruit. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. Passion produces uh, children. Fruit can't be produced in a day. Fruit takes months to bear. Fruit can take years to mature. That means every small group leader in this room, the people walking through your door are loaded down with trouble and every kind of moral and spiritual imperfection. So it's going to take time to make them champions for God. It takes persistence to develop them into the persons God wants them to be because only persistence produces fruit. So where are your spiritual children? Where are your spiritual grandchildren? To seek and save the lost is still our number one assignment by God Almighty. To seek and save lost. I'm in the, I want to reach people and get them close to God. I want to get them connected to people. I want them to make a difference in the world. And I want them to be close to know God is not mean. He's not judgmental. He's not a Republican or a Democrat. He's crazy about you. And his plan for your life has never changed, no matter how nasty you've been. You can always be changed by God. Always, always there's hope for your children, for people in life. This is the God we love and serve. We want you to meet Him. This church is an orchard producing fruit. It didn't start last night. It started in 1987 in a little motel room. It had a handful of people. It had zero resources. It didn't own anything. But this church has been through years of sweat, persistence, sacrifice, and we refuse to be stopped by quit. See, people don't succeed because they're destined to. They succeed because they are determined to. And if you're not willing to be cussed, discussed, blogged, delayed, betrayed, falsely accused, misunderstood, and criticized, don't even start. Don't get married. Don't start a dream, a career, or a job. Don't do anything because losers are always quick to write something, say something in a negative vein. The enemy uses people. We're not fighting flesh and blood, but the enemy uses these people. Sometimes I read on people that I love or whatever, or even myself, somebody, some, somebody will say something like outrageous. And I'll thought, well, that, where did you get that? And then I'll punch on the information and it says followers, seven. I thought, wow, they've got a real voice in the world. Loser. All they got is a secret little iPad and a social identity and just type nonsense. Don't let that distract you. You have something called block, and you can just block. Y'all do that with certain people, block, because all they bring is negativity and toxicity into you. 
We ought to be the most encouraging people in the world. It's never too bad. I don't care what anybody said. It is never too bad. Not ever. A lot of you today have been struggling for your dream to come true. You've become tired and exhausted. Quit looks pretty good to you. I'm only saying, don't do it. It's okay to feel like it. Just don't do it. It's always too soon to quit. Press on, try again, endure, and fight back. Put on the whole armor of God. Get around people who are not quitters who have been in this race a long time. Learn from them. Be encouraged by them. Jesus said, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That means Calvary was not a garden spot getaway. It was a battleground. And because Christ is the victor, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm looking at an audience primarily of royalty. You are kings and priests unto God. You are God's handiwork. Scripture says you are His treasured treasure. You are anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hell cannot stop you. It can attack you, but it can't stop you. You're a child of the living God. So act like it, think like it, talk like it, live like it in Jesus' name. Woo! Revelation 3, verse 12, almost done. To him who overcomes... That means to win. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and give him a new name. Verse 21, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. God loves winners because you cannot win without persistence. And God and the devil can smell quit a mile away. And if you've got it in your nature and in your speech, God will put you in the fire till he burns it out. Persistence is Job attending the funeral of ten children. Think about that. Losing his health, his wealth, and having to listen to his wife, wanting to curse God and die, who had a tongue sharp enough to trim a hedge. Satan kept her around. And after all this, Job says, though God slay me, I will trust in him. Message, I'm not about to quit. Thursday, I'm going to be with Monty Williams, and I want to hopefully just be a great encourager to him and the kids. They call me Bubba Rick. He's lost a wife, and he has five kids. Job lost 10 children. And Job said, I'm not quitting. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm a little distressed, but I'll get through it. And Monty will get through it. And Monty will go on. And Scripture says in Romans, and Scripture says in numerous places, Philippians 1, 6, that which I have begun in you, I will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God does not change His mind. His gifts and callings are irrevocable. When Charles Neiman in El Paso, who's a, a wonderful pastor and a, a, a friend, he lost his wife to ovarian cancer after a two-year mighty battle of faith. They did everything spiritual and everything medically, but God did not intervene and stop it, and she passed away. And he said in the Houston uh, MD Anderson Clinic, this was something he said in my ear. He said, I said to God, this is between you and Rochelle. Everything between me and you is still fine. And God has a purpose for each of our lives. And so what happened to Ingrid has nothing to do with Monty's purpose or his calling or his future. God will supply every need that he has. In time, that pain can be healed. She's safe with Jesus, so we have hope. And he will not quit nor turn back from his assignment. What happens to me won't affect Cindy's assignment. What happens to Cindy should not, will not affect my assignment. What happens to our children can be devastating. 
uh, Percy and Daynell over here lost a precious daughter in a hard, long fight with cancer. They had to bury their own child. And maybe some of you that I don't know have had the same experience. Well, look at them. They serve. They leave. They have a small group. They serve on the elder board. They're always in church. They run in the race. Nothing's changed. Everything God said about them, still true. They're still moving on. The power of persistence and endurance. What would it take to stop you? Though he slay me, I'll trust in him. And the night before Paul gets his head chopped off, the dim light of a prison cell, his last words, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. I did not quit. And boy, I tell you about all you can get out of that is a WD, not 40, well done, good and faithful servant. And last thought, Jesus hanging on the cross, bleeding from His hands, head, side, and feet lifted up His blood-stained face to His Father God and shouted at the top of His lungs, it is finished. And all Scriptures and all Gospels say He shouted with a loud voice, not a wimpy dying voice, and He gave up His spirit. What was finished? The plan of redemption that began in Genesis 3? Finished. Death, hell, and the grave? Finished. Disease? Finished. Perseverance of the great physician has set you free, church of God. The guilt of sin, the shame and condemnation, finished. The fear of the past and the shame of it, finished. Worry about the future, he's already there, it's finished. That persistent prince of glory has defeated death, hell, and the grave in his triumphant resurrection from the dead, and I don't even have to be afraid of death itself. We can boldly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, the mighty conqueror, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the light of the world. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's worthy as the champion of the cross to receive all honor, all glory, and all of our praise. He is. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.